one of the constants it is said in life is change. And with special needs parents, change becomes very, very hard to predict because you wake up every morning not quite being able to know what's going to happen with your child, what meltdowns might happen, what, what health issues may come up, what issues may come up with education or with development or with family shifting and family adapting and on and on and on. Managing change, however, is really, really important because if we cannot manage change, it's easy for our emotional ease to disappear. And it's so easy to become overwhelmed, anxious, flustered, or even go the other way into depression and into doubt and into fear. So today we have somebody to show us the way with change. Her name is Erin Ramirez. And Erin is a coach and consultant in change management. Her techniques are used by large and small companies to manage change in their busy businesses. And she's going to talk to us today about the ADCAR process, which is five steps that we can use as individuals and in our families to help us to move through change. Welcome, Erin. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you, Marcia. Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm really excited to be here today. You are extremely experienced with change management. And change management is so complex to manage in an organization. And it's also complex to manage in the special needs setting. So can you give us a little background on your experience in change management and on who you are and your personal experience as well, please? Absolutely. So I actually started out doing project and program management for many years, and the organization that I was working for underwent a number of changes. Uh, there was a restructuring, there are technology changes, and I found myself really emotional about these changes. I was really angry. I was really anxious. I was very uncertain and upset. And I thought, gosh, there must be a better way to deal with this. I'm not dealing with these changes very well. Well, I was taking a course on purpose to find out how to determine what my purpose was and how to apply that in my work setting. And the instructor asked, what do you complain about the most? And when thinking about it, I immediately thought, gosh, I complain all the time about changes at work. I, I hate changes. <laughs> and so ironically, then I decided, gosh, if I hate change and so many other people hate change, I really want to set it as a mission to help people work through change. Um, it's such an important skill to know how to do, and it can really impact um, the lives of a lot of people to better know how to adapt to change. And so I um, studied industrial organizational psychology at George Mason University, the study of human behavior in the workplace. And then I've also um, become ProSci Pro certified, which is a change management certification. And now I work with businesses, leaders, and individuals to help them learn how to adapt to change and move forward. So I'm excited to share what I've learned with you all too. I'm glad that you pointed that out because many of us would have heard that our brain wants to keep us safe by living in the same loops all of the time. 
because we have been kept safe by living the way we do and by following the habits we do, we um, tend to want to just continue following those habits. And so when things change outside of us, sometimes it feels so threatening because we are being forced to shift to adapt to work differences. We are being forced to change because our boss demands certain things, or we are being forced to change because somebody else is having some crisis outside of us. And that forces us to have to adapt. And what that does is it pushes us off balance. Uh, we no longer know how to act and we no longer feel safe because we are adapting while we are moving. That's scary. So being unable to maintain the status quo that we have come to feel comfortable with is, is not ideal for the human um, psyche, I guess. And I know that what you are going to teach us is called the ADKAR model, A-D-K-A-R. And that is going to help us to see, even when things are shifting, how could we do this with less trauma to ourselves and with more ease? Yes, exactly. I, and I want to start out today by normalizing um, the experience that people have to change and the feelings that come up from change, because everyone, um, or just about everyone, has a really hard time with change. And so for parents of children with special needs, there are so many unique and other factors that go into change that do make it even harder. Um, the changes might be ones that people in, in your realm or in your communities aren't experiencing, so you can't ask them as, as much for help. Um, they might be changes that you've never encountered before. You might feel forced into a lot of changes that other families aren't being, feeling forced into. And so I just want to normalize that change is really hard for many people. Um, and so especially as a parent of a child with special needs, it's, it's normal to feel um, that these changes are, are difficult and to have resistance to the changes. But what I want to share about change is that change is a process of becoming different. And so I want to note the process piece, the process of becoming different, because so often, at least in my experience, I want change immediately. I decide that I'm making a change or something's happening and I just want my family to get involved and everyone to move forward. Um, and it, it doesn't work like that. There are some changes where the process can be sped up or they can, it can be really quick because maybe the change is easy to adapt to for everyone. But there are a lot of changes that are a long process and that is normal and that's okay. Um, and there's a lot that can come up during the change process. And so I just want to set that stage um, as you're listening to this of giving yourself some grace, knowing that change is a process and, and recognizing that um, you are not weird or unusual or um, outside of the realm of what's typical because you are struggling with change or people in your family are struggling with change. I appreciate you saying that because we can be really harsh with ourselves and tell ourselves that we're failing um, or that we're not there for others as fully as we should be when we can't adapt so fast. So thanks for pointing that out. Giving ourselves that grace really matters. Yeah, sure. And a couple of things that I want to also um, share before I go into the ADCAR process are that there are two tenets of change that I ask people to think about as you're moving through change. And these are tenets that I live by. So one is changes happen for a reason. 
And so if you're experiencing a change, um, there should be a reason for it. And if it's a change that you're um, wanting your family to move into, or you're feeling you should be doing, but there's no reason behind it. Um, I, I don't know. You want to change the <laughs> the makeup of the house and then have a different look and feel, but there's no real reason to doing that. Um, think again about why you're doing the change. Make sure there's a reason before expending energy that way. We have so many changes and so many decisions that there should be a good reason behind change. And then the second one, this was really eye-opening for me. And so I want to share it with you because it's really changed how I view change in my own family and in my own personal life. And that's that group change actually is not group change. It requires individual change. And so as we think about our families and our communities and our churches and our schools, anytime a change is happening, it doesn't happen as a, as a whole group. It happens individually and individuals go through a change process. And so as you're learning about ADCAR and change, I really advise you to think about each individual who's going through the change and where they might be at in the process. Because you might be in one place where your partner or spouse might be in another, a child uh, might be in another, and a grandparent might be in another place. And that's all normal because change is an individual process. That's a lot to unpack. Um, it, it, it does make me pause and acknowledge that we may each be in a different place or we may have a different experience even as the same change happens. Sometimes I think it's human to think that what you are experiencing, everybody else is experiencing. So this says, no, pause. Realize that your son may be experiencing that so differently and therefore his response may be different and, and the way that you respond to him in turn should be empathetic. Um, bringing empathy into change, I think, is pretty important, right? That's a huge key. And in fact, there's a quote that I want to share with this group. Um, Jacob, Jacob Browdy, who is an Illinois Circuit Court judge, said, consider how hard it is to change yourself, and you'll understand what little chance you have in trying to change others. And so I, I want to say that again, consider how hard it is to change yourself. And you'll understand what little chance you have in trying to change others. So change is so difficult and everyone adapts to change differently. They're in a different place. And so as you think about this process, um, I would recommend starting with yourself first, but being aware that others are going through change at different stages and then apply this process as you can to help people have the support and the tools they need to meet them where they're at. Um, and so it's not about forcing people through change more quickly. To be quite frank, that doesn't work. <laughs> You'll just have more resistance, but it's about accepting where you're at, recognizing where you're at and moving yourself through change as, as quickly and efficiently as you can to reduce the burden that it has on you to be worried and anxious and um, resistant to the change and then supporting people where they're at in the change process so that if it's a healthy change that they can begin moving forward to. Oh, I'm looking forward to this because that's exactly it. Remembering that the only person I'm in control of is me. Remembering to give myself time to adapt and then remembering I can support others, but I can't force them. And the more I try to strong arm somebody, the less I'm going to get cooperation is what's likely. Yes. Yes. I love that. That's exactly right. So to share it. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. That, that's it. I just can't wait to hear about your, your ad car now because you've piqued my interest. How do I 
help myself and support others. Well, the I follow a method called the ProSci AdCar method. And ProSci is a company that has done a lot of research on change. And they're constantly doing research about change across the world. And so they've actually found that AdCar applies to cultures across the world and in settings across the world on an individual level. So I really hope that it does help people today. The first part of AdCar is the A, and A is for awareness. And so that awareness piece is asking um, you to look at the why behind the change. So what's, what is the change? Am I aware of what the change is? Um, why is the change necessary? And what's the risk of not changing? And so I can throw in an example to walk us through ADCAR. And the example that I will include is um, perhaps medical shoes. And so your child now is wearing braces, you used to always just shop at a normal big box store for shoes, and now your child cannot wear those shoes anymore. And so the first step then when you we try to put those shoes on their feet and they just don't fit with the braces anymore, there's suddenly an aha, like maybe I need to make a change here in my own, in my own life um, with purchasing different shoes for my child. And so you might start by doing research or asking the doctor um, and just learning about, you know, what is this, this change or this process for buying new shoes. The second step is the D, which is desire. And the desire is, you know, do I actually want to make the change? So what's in it for me? Um, is this a personal choice that I get to make to change? Change is always a personal choice, whether you feel forced or not to actually move forward with the change is always a personal choice. And then am I going to engage and move forward with this change? Um, so again, with, with the, the example of, of different shoes, um, you might decide, yes, I absolutely want to continue researching uh, different shoes and looking to purchase new shoes because I want my child to be able to wear shoes that fit their feet. Right. So awareness seems to be taking stock of where I am, taking stock of where the gap might be. Um, understanding what's not working for me anymore, um, becoming aware of options or alternatives. And once I am primed or informed, then desire is about intention setting. I want this. Here's what I want to get out of it. And maybe starting that process of building my commitment to change. Yes, I, that's absolutely right. And the big one that I want to point out with desire is what's in it for me to be able to align yourself and identify what's the benefit of this change. Because without a benefit or understanding how you or someone that you care about will benefit, it's really hard to make a change. And so that's really a crucial step in the process and often a big one for resistance as people aren't, aren't desiring right. the change. So that's going to help us with the subconscious tendency to want to stay the same, stay the same, stay the same. Once I convince myself the risk of not changing is actually worse than what I get if I change. So I show myself the benefit and I convince myself that the benefit outweighs the risk. And therefore, I'm more likely to act on that desire to change. Yes, exactly. And once you have that um, catalyst with the desire for change, the next step then is knowledge. Do I know how to change? Uh, what training do I need? What information do I need to make a change? Is there a new skill that I need to learn? 
Um, so a lot of times that continues with the research process. It maybe is some self-growth depending on um, the situation. But for this particular situation, it would be probably doing some research, asking some professionals, maybe reaching out to others in the community who have had experience with this to get feedback on, on what um, would be a, a next step um, for you and where you can go to get the shoes that would best fit your child. Right. So reaching out to a coach or a consultant like you, um, doing our research, reading, learning about processes, talking to other parents who have been through this before because their experience can help us joining groups where parents like that um, build support and offer support to each other. All of these can support us in that knowledge gathering stage. Yes. And I know for parents of children with special needs, gathering the knowledge can be a really difficult piece. There might be limited knowledge about the needs that your family has specifically. Um, you might not have as strong of a community. And so that's where um, listening to podcasts, building, joining a group that uh, with people with shared experiences can be really valuable because we all do need um, knowledge to be able to move forward. And there are so many changes that you're facing that um, you can, that community can help support you through. Perfect. And, and closely tied to knowledge is ability then. And so you might know how to make a change, but are you actually able to demonstrate the change and do it? Um, and so in this example, it might be purchasing the shoes and putting them on. Um, but there are some other examples like um, moving to a new school system, um, using a new medical provider, figuring out new family dynamics where the ability piece can be really hard. You might have the knowledge in your your mind, but then actually moving forward and implementing it can be hard. And that's where coaching can be really helpful, or again, that community to help walk you through some action items to, to live out the change. That's, that's so critical because I can read a list of five things and they say, follow these five steps and you'll be all sorted. But then you have to discover how to actually do this with your child. Maybe in the shoe example, it will be that you only get to try that shoe on for five minutes in the beginning and slowly you introduce the child to wearing the shoe more and more until they become comfortable. Or there may be some follow-ups to do to get that shoe custom fit to your child and all of those things. So the skills that come with it, the ability to observe and to reflect on how effective something is and be able to adapt, all of those come in with the ability, I think. Yes, exactly. And the ability is the time to really practice and then be gracious with yourself when it doesn't quite go the way you expected. Um, because change is a muscle, and I'll talk about that a bit later. But the more we practice and the more we fail, then the more learnings we have. And so it's okay to fail, um, but the learnings then help us move through um, to be able to successfully accept and accomplish that change over time. And so I know in my own life, I have a number of changes I've wanted to implement and the ability is often where <laughs> I get stuck and I have to be gracious with myself because the failures are okay. They're part of the learning process. And then finally, it's reinforcement. So make sure that you have a plan then for how the change will be sustained over the long period of time. And often our own desire isn't enough. We do need that community support or the support of our family who's successfully gone through change um, or some other form of sustainment, maybe an accountability partner um, or a coach or a colleague who can help 
um, provide that reinforcement and that sustainment for us. And without that, then it's so often that changes that you've successfully made can fall off and not be um, a sustainable change for the long run. Right. I've heard people say that it takes about 20 to 30 days to build a habit. So I can, I can effect change. I can start doing things. But if I don't do it long enough to make it a habit, sometimes it can just disappear, right? Exactly. Yep. And so that practice of over and over, and then how are you going to get reinforcement while practicing then yeah. it's really crucial to making sure the change is lasting. And so some of the changes might be the reinforcement isn't as strong. So if it's a move and you've made the move at that point, you're, you're in this new community. And so you might, you'll, you'll have a lot of other changes you experience, but there's not an ability as easily to move back. Whereas other changes like how you treat your partner um, when you're both feeling stressed or how you want to interact with a child who doesn't have special needs and is feeling that there's less attention being given and, and wants more interaction. Those types of changes do need reinforcement because they're, it's really easy to fall back into old patterns over time. Yeah. So, so there are ways that we can sustain for ourselves. For example, we can journal, we can do our own reflective work, et cetera. But we each have to know ourselves, I think. And if we find that staying to it on our own is, is difficult, then I like that you pointed out, have, have an accountability partner or have an accountability group because then you tell people, this is my intention. Here's what I want to achieve. Here's what I'm committed to. Here's why I want it. And I'd love if you follow up with me to make sure that I'm doing it. And in turn, I'll be your accountability partner for your goal as well. That builds community and community is a big part of keeping us on track because visibility helps, but also that encouragement, that also matters. Yes, and I encourage you too to look at your own family setting as community as well. I know so often it's hard to receive feedback, um, but that open communication is what really can help um, provide that accountability. So if if it's a change within your own family that you'd like to make during that uh, reinforcement stage, if you know that you might not stick with it, you could ask your family, you know, hey, you know, could you tell me this sentence if I'm not sticking with it um, to your child? You could say, you know, mama, I, I need more time with you today or let or let, let your child know how to provide that reinforcement to you if they're needing something and you're not able to meet their needs without being reminded that this is a change you wanted to make. This has brought a lot together for me, Erin, and I want to say thanks because there are so many things that I want to change in my family and there's so little time to get it done. Um, but what's coming for me is I, there are so many changes that I want. I want to be fitter. I want to spend some time building my relationship with my son, who is not special needs. He's a teen. Um, getting my child, my, my special needs daughter outdoors. Rebuilding a relationship or tightening up a relationship with my husband. And I see all of these things as individual things that I must do. And I immediately say, but I don't have time to do all these things. And when you spoke about reinforcement, it came to me that what I think I'd like to do is every evening, 
just for 10 minutes to start, take a walk. We just bought our, our, our first wheelchair for our daughter. Take a walk with my husband, my son, and my daughter through the neighborhood for 10 minutes, which isn't very hard to do. But it gets out in the sun. It gets me talking to my son. It gets us loving each other as a family. It gets me with nothing else on the table, just chatting and laughing with my husband so that for 10 minutes, we don't have to worry. And changing that one activity is going to help me to reinforce all of those things. That's amazing because you did point out, use your family unit as your sustaining mechanism. That is very, very powerful. And the reason that is going to work for us, I think, is that we each are going to get something from that. And that's love and connection. I think that's maybe one of the strongest reasons that people will sustain change. That is fantastic. I love that idea. Um, And it sounds like you already have a lot of awareness and desire to move forward through that change, which is great. Um, And and so one of the things to keep in mind is as you invite your family to make this change too, to walk them through ADCAR. And they might all be really agreeable. This might be something that they've all been desiring. Um, But if you hit some resistance, why are we doing this? This is a waste of time. Um, Recognizing where they're at too, because this is a a family change. And again, you all go through individually. But I really love that example because you're you're right. Um, There are so many changes that we all, I think most of us want to make, and it's hard to pull back and really simplify. There's something called change fatigue. And you mentioned earlier that your brain um, resists change. And there, there is a lot of science behind that. We have a lower brain that, that does a lot of the daily activities and it uses a lot less energy to do that. And so it's really a strain on our brain to have to move an activity up higher in the brain and actually work on making a change. And so it's a lot of energy. It's a lot of stress on the brain. We don't want to do it. We resist quite a bit. Um, And so simplifying and move and just focusing on one change at a time can actually make the change successful. Trying to do 10 different things at a time will cause change fatigue. And then usually there's no change made. I know a lot of times I look back and I think, gosh, that year I wanted to do all these things and I did nothing. And I, the, the times where I just simplify and focus on one change are the ones that I'm able to be most successful at. So I hope that you all are getting as excited about the outcome model as I am, because there is so much that comes from just the awareness of this process and the ability to apply this process to what matters to us. Erin has so much more value to add to us that I've invited her to do a second episode with us. And in a minute, I'll let her tell us what that second episode will focus on. But I just want to point out to you all that Erin has a website and lots of resources that she can also help us with beyond this episode. And so in the show notes, we will share links to her social media and her website so that you can connect with her further to to this. Erin, I want to thank you so much for doing this first episode with us, but I also am curious, can you tell us about the second episode that you're going to join us for next week? Sure. So first, thank you so much for the invitation. I've enjoyed being here. Uh, I'm very passionate about change. So this was just a delight for me. 
Um, secondly, yes. So my the podcast that I'll be coming back to share about will be um, the emotions behind change and how to move through the change curve and recognizing um, some of the tools that can help you move through the change curve more quickly. So change can often be very emotional um, and, and that's okay, but we, we don't wanna be stuck in a lot of the negative emotions that only penalizes ourselves. And so how do we move forward to being in a place that's more accepting of change? And I do wanna invite you to visit the website. I have posted a free resource there for um, on ADCAR that you can use in your own family when working through change. To, to check each of the steps and see where your family's members are at as well, um, or anyone that you're working through a change with is at. So you can help support them in that place. Thanks so much for going through the trouble of making a handout for us to support our community. I'm sure that people are also going to, um, to, to really um, appreciate that. Erin, it's been a pleasure chatting with you for this first episode, and I can't wait for us to do this second uh, episode because the emotional things are the hardest things to deal with in my experience working in business as well as in family work. Um, so much of the time, the emotions are not uncovered. We don't let them out. We don't take them out and look at them. And we don't, if we don't know what they are, we can't deal with them. So I like that you are coming back to say, yes, the process might sound so straightforward, but the actual happening of change doesn't happen so smoothly. So let's look at what can upset the process. Let's look at the, at the emotions that bubble up and how they can become hurdles and how you can work around those hurdles, go around through over under them in order to get to change that's effective. So we'll see you next week, Erin. Thank you very, very much. See you next week, Marcia. Thank you.